RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Which camera am I on? Which one is it? Oh, right. Hi. Uh, it's Tuesday night on Facebook, and we are here to do Mission Log Live. I'm Ken Ray. And I'm John Champion. We're here with you to talk about episode 14, the penultimate episode of Star Trek Discovery, season one, The War Without, The War Within. And you get to tell us what you think about it. We go live a couple of days after Discovery goes live, so everybody can watch at a time or two and gather their thoughts and theories and then spill it out all over the internet in a glorious mess, live right here with us. So please join us by clicking on the Zoom meeting link from your PC or Mac. And that link should be right there above and below this video. You can also call us at 669-900-6833 and then type in the meeting code on screen. You can also use the one tap from your smartphone and be connected that way. Remember, those numbers change from week to week. Now, before we do the show each week, we post a question for you to mull over. Last week, the question that we asked, who should end up as captain of the Discovery, uh, Saru or Burnham? And uh, it looks like rule of, uh, well, rule of rules prevails, John. Uh, Saru comes in at 79%, Burnham at 21%. I wish we could do sort of like a follow-up poll. Like, is that because, you know, there's just an order to things or because he's actually shown himself to be more captainly than Burnham? But I don't know, maybe uh, maybe people will offer their thoughts throughout the show. Um, so let's see. That was a poll question for last week. I, I'm guessing we have one for this week as well. We do. We do have one for this week. By the way, we have some new listeners because I just noticed somebody mentioned on the Facebook chat. Wow, that's what you look like. So, yes, <laughs> we, we have faces <laughs> and bodies. And, and here we are. Unless so, they're just always amazed that this is still what we look like. Yeah, it could be. Like every time. Like, really? This, oh, Okay. Right. <laughs> right. So this week's poll question. We want to know Emperor Giorgio saves herself or saves the day. Now, here's why I ask. We get to the end of this episode and she is trading information kind of under the table with Sarek. And uh, then they put her in a position of power, at least as the figurehead on the bridge of the Discovery. But what's she really up to? Here's why this question is intriguing to me. I want to know, is this a bit of Star Trek optimism that even someone from the mirror universe can work for something moral if given the right opportunity? You know, Burnham seems to think, or or at least she wants to think, that there's something in this Giorgio that's like the Giorgio she knew. Now, I just checked the poll a little while ago, and um, I think most people don't agree with me. In fact, two-thirds of our listeners don't agree with me, (laughs) 67% see that she saves herself, saves the day right now at 33%. So who knows, maybe those uh, numbers will jump if we check in on it again later. Now, right now, you are watching or listening to Mission Log Live, and I I know I'm psychic. Uh, I just pulled that out. I I feel it. I feel that you're watching or listening to us. Don't forget that each week you can find this video in a couple of places. You can go to facebook.com slash mission log pod, which is where you are right now, right now, if you're watching me, or you can go to YouTube at youtube.com slash Roddenberry prod. 
Now, if Tuesday night is not your thing or if seeing, yes, this is what we look like is not your thing, <laughs> if you want something downloadable, maybe something audio only, we make that happen uh, in the middle of the night. So probably about three hours after this show ends, uh, you can actually go to this show's um, RSS feed or its, or its podcast feed. Go to whatever podcast aggregator you use, be it iTunes, be it Overcast, be it iTunes and search for uh, Mission Log Live. Uh, you can also go to podcast.roddenberry.com where you can find this show, uh, the regular Mission Log show, Women at Warp, Priority One, uh, the Trek Files, and who knows what else might be along someday. Okay. Yes. <laughs> you were going to do so, a thing. Oh, that's yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll yeah, go on yeah. to the next thing. No, it, well, no, no, no. The, the other thing is if you're watching yes. on Facebook, and we hope that you are, then, then like it and share it. And then share it again and then like it again, because we want everybody to know and we want everybody to join us here. Wouldn't it be fun? Yeah. All right. So uh, John's going to do the recap for this week's show in just a moment. But before we get to that, I want to remind you about the shop that we have. I showed you these things last week, but apparently I wasn't quite 100% clear on stuff. So this is a sticker. Okay. Actually, this is a Kindle, but that thing right there, that is a sticker on my Kindle. Uh, that's a sticker that was designed by our friend Carl Huber, who just does some absolutely fantastic work. Now, hold on a second. I got something else to show you, too. Uh, this is a journal that, uh, again, has a logo on it that was designed by Carl Huber. Um, he does just some really neat, really geeky stuff. And we have partnered with him uh, to put it up in our uh, Public site, uh, which I have the address. Yes, tpublic.com slash user slash mission log. Uh, just a ton of great stuff there to check out. Uh, there are those two things. And then, John, there are some other, uh, there are some other uh, uh, subjects out there as well. Yeah, well, we have old designs. We have the classic designs. And we have the new designs that Carl did. So if you want the classic stuff like Cool as Kirk, which is a very cool logo, I have to admit, Ethos Pathos logo. So that takes you way back to the beginning of Mission Log. But then the new designs that are kind of based on some of the riffs we have. So Bonk Bonk on the head. Since 1966, it's the UC Temi t-shirt. So if you need to drive home a moral lesson, you want to get that one. We also have the Nova Squadron, sadly, with our, our long lost crewmate listed on that shirt. <laughs> Ditalics Mining Corporation, uh, Ask Mr. Atos, just all kinds of fun stuff there. So do, do check it out. And as I mentioned uh, before, and as I just showed you a couple of minutes ago, uh, the designs that we have at tpublic.com slash user slash mission log aren't just for t-shirts. We got mugs, we got stickers, we got notebooks. There are things you can hang on the wall. Tons of stuff to check out and make your own. Really just, I mean, really unique sort of Trek-ish gear that you're not going to find anywhere else except at our site, uh, tpublic.com slash user slash mission log. And... Um, been getting a lot of emails, so we've been getting a lot of orders, John. So, so kind of yeah. cool. I'm looking forward to seeing uh, people in various T-shirts and with various stickers. You know, the next time we bump into a bunch of truckies. Uh, in just a moment, we will open up the lines for your comments and questions. But before we do that, if we want to, and I think we should want to, in fact, I think we will. We'll catch up on the war without, the war within. Uh, thanks to a recap from our good friend, Mr. John Champion. Well, here we go. We pick up right where we left off in the transporter room. Michael Burnham and surprise, Emperor Giorgio now in the prime universe. Giorgio sees acting Captain Saru as lunch until Burnham intervenes. Just to play it safe, Giorgio is transported to quarters where she is to be confined. And Burnham tries to smooth things over a little with her captain and friend. 
one thing Saru would like her to do is come to sickbay to check in on Ash Tyler. Burnham just can't bring herself to do it. In sickbay, as far as anyone can tell, Ash is Ash with only a distant memory of what made up Vok. But Ash, the part of him that was Vok, knows what he's done, and he's willing to help Starfleet in any way he can. Oh, look, we have visitors. An armed team beam into Discovery's bridge, followed by Admiral Cornwell and Sarek. A quick mind meld reveals that, yep, these are the good guys, and we've only just now gotten to the opening credits. Cornwell catches us up. The other Discovery was destroyed, and in nine months, the Klingons have wreaked havoc on the Federation. With the return of the Prime Discovery, though, the knowledge they have on Klingon cloaking could turn the tide of the war. No better place to go than Starbase One to share this knowledge. And while keeping anything about Emperor Giorgio's existence on the down low. Ash Tyler is making the apology tour, not so accepting, but really quite understandable. It's Paul Stamets, who hopes Ash is in pain for killing Dr. Kolber. Much more accepting are the rest of the gang. In the mess hall, first Tilly, then Detmer, then others follow to welcome back the person they knew. Arriving at, Starbase, <clears throat> arriving at Starbase One, in the words of Gertrude Stein, there is no there, there. I mean, it's there, but it's been destroyed by Klingons. And curiously, there is the mark of one Klingon house, de Gore, on the wreckage. Discovery hightails it out of there, and Cornwell confronts Laurel. There is no unified Klingon front. It's just a bunch of houses acting without leadership. The rebirth of the Empire has failed to bring unity. But the houses keep attacking without end. Laurel says, eh, that's war. We'll keep doing it until you defeat us. Which seems to be all Cornwell needs to hear. Burnham visits Giorgio. Sorry, you're stuck with us a little bit longer, but... How did you defeat the Klingons in your universe? You know, Michael, that is a great question. Easy enough. Attack them on their homeworld. Take the fight to Kronos. Not an easy sell for what remains of Starfleet, especially since they don't have good intel about where Klingon military targets would be. Discovery has an advantage, though. They'll use the spore drive to jump into the planet, in a cave to be precise. There they can release drones, make a map, and transmit it to the fleet. Problem is, they're fresh out of spores to make a jump, but Stamets has an idea. Go to a moon in the Veda system, do a little light terraforming, grow your own spores, and before you can say tech the tech, there is the birth of some beautiful mycelia. If you thought the Emperor was going to make things that easy, you would be wrong. Privately, she calls Sarek to explain that defeating Kronos is one thing, but the Klingons will keep going long after that. They need a more decisive victory, and she knows the secret. There's a price for it, though. Her freedom. Sarek must have considered that pretty compelling because he's headed off in a hurry back to Vulcan. His parting words, though, are about Ash. Do not regret loving someone, he says to Burnham. That and a little talk from Tilly are what Burnham needs to hear to at last visit Ash. It's uneasy. The forgiveness isn't there like it was with the others. Burnham sees Volk, the man who is going to kill her. She listens, and even when he begs her to help him find himself, she says she had to crawl back her own way from the mistakes that she made. She'll let him go so, she can do, so he can do the same. 
In a private communication with Cornwell, Sarek says he has briefed the Federation Council on the new information provided by Giorgio. They're all in agreement that they need to carry out her plan, whatever that may be. Cornwell alerts the crew. They'll carry out their mission, jump into Kronos to create a tactical map. And in the tradition of an Apple keynote, there's just one more thing. It's such a perilous mission. We're bringing in Captain, but we and almost no one else knows her as Emperor Philippa Giorgio. The end. Well done, sir. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, we have Beth and we have Barry coming up in just a moment. And, and you're saying, well, wait, who are they? Well, they're people who called in. And we would like for you to call in as well. Join us right now by clicking the Zoom meeting link from your PC or your Mac. Uh, as we said before, that ma- uh, link is above and below this video. You can also call us at 669-900-6833 from your phone and then type in the meeting code that you see on the screen. Now, you can also use the one tap from your smartphone and be connected that way. And remember, those numbers do change from week to week, so, so don't hold them in your head. Really quickly, I am concerned about this plan to jump into Kronos. Yeah, why is that? Have they not seen the Pegasus? That was a mess. Yeah, Wait, clearly. I'm sorry. Yeah. They haven't seen it, though, right? Because <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. Yes. That's right, because we're, we're in the past now, not the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we go ahead and press on to our immediate future and talk to Barry and Beth, if we can. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Hi. Hey, hey guys. How you doing? Hey, good. Great. Hey. hey. Okay. Uh, yes. Hi. Oh. Hi. The last time we saw you, it was in Vegas, and Beth and I and a friend of ours were covered in orange because we were feeders of Vol. I was going to ask you how Vol has been. Uh, Vol is Vol. <laughs> and and have you Vol. seen him lately? Yeah, that's true. He, t- <laughs> he tends to be that big nut. Yeah. Hey, so I, I just wanted to start off first off by saying, hey, how about that Elon Musk, huh? I, it's yeah. so rad. I, I, I watched oh that video over and over again today. That, that was great. Yeah, it, it brought, was a t- it brought tears video. to my eyes. Right? Yeah. Oh. How do you feel about him? How do you feel? Because I've had this conversation two or three times in the past few days. How do you feel about him sending a Tesla Roadster into space? It's cool. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. that's, that's sort of where I am on it, too, because we're all talking of- about it. It's kind of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I have to say. It really kind of is. I'm a little concerned that above the um, Earth's um, 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 ozone that the dashboard is going to be subjected to some pretty harsh rays, and I've got, I hope that they've got like armor all on that thing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 Look, we could do a whole show about that. I, look, it was fun. It's definitely got a sense of humor. It, it's inspiring. It's symbolic. I just yeah. love the idea that there's this image of a guy hanging out. I love the arm on the, on the side of the car and the one hand on the steering wheel. He's relaxed. In That's sp- how it's done. I posted a thing on Facebook saying like, this is us. This is the future. <laughs> I, I feel you know? like I'm living in the future. That's what I said. I'm living in the future. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So, so anyway, so I was coming back to some things that Ken was really <sighs> thinking about last week. And this is this whole, all these twists and turns on the multi-episode story that we're getting here. And uh, it was an After Trek episode a couple of weeks ago where uh, Ted Sullivan pointed out the bonk bonk on the head that, you know, well, I can get a little political because I'm not on your show. (laughs) that, (laughs) that, That we have descended into the mirror universe. 
And we took a long time to get you there in, in, real this, life. in real life. In real life. And, you know, that, that that's what this show is, is about, you know, that, you know, little steps and some big steps and it's gotten us into a bad place. And I think that it's cool that Star Trek has taken this different approach. You know, it's not the one episode, you know, from the original series that each episode forgot what happened the previous episode. You know, we can do that long chain and explore some of these issues in a kind of a subtle way. I, Ken, I know that you probably have a lot to say about that, but it, just as a, a small point to what you're saying, yes, if you had taken the idea of a Klingon spy and he, he's been changed because, well, we saw it happen in the original series with uh, Arnie Darvin. Um, but if you took a, any one of these, you could plant that into a single episode of Star Trek and it would have had a beginning, middle and end. And you have the one twist in the middle. Oh, he's a Klingon spy. And we wrap it up and we're done with the episode. and We move on to the next episode and presumably we forget what happened last week. So, yeah, it, I, I think that since they chose this 15-story arc to tell this essentially one story, then the, the good and the bad of it is that every little character moment, every little twist that would have been happening behind the scenes, would have been happening as a footnote on the script, is now front and center. So, yeah, it, it's, it definitely is not the Star Trek format that we're used to. So this is my two cents about that, I guess. And, it, and it's kind of shocking, too. I mean, you watch it and, it, and it happens in a way gradually, and suddenly you start realizing where you are, and it is shocking. Mm -hmm. I, I'm still sort of where I was, honestly. I mean... <sighs> You're right. We have sort of, I mean, uh, uh, to some people's way of thinking, we have sort of uh, descended into a mirror universe in real life. Um, and so I get enough of that in real life. I wish we were still watching Next Gen or I wish yeah. we were watching something like Next Gen or um, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm bummed that the Orville really only had a, a half season because I could use that right now. I'm hoping they're going to build to that. I mean, I'm hoping that really is, the point is is going from where we are now and how do we get there. I'm hoping that's what we're going to see as as the next season comes along. I'm hoping that we're really going to start seeing how how do we do that? How do we ask that of ourselves? That would be uh, that would be cool. Um, I I, I <laughs> well, I've, I, it's stuff that I've said a million times before, so I, I feel like I'm just repeating yeah. myself. I like I like. I like that our starting point is, and they all lived happily ever after. And then this really neat stuff happened. I mean, we're all excited today because Elon Musk sent a rocket up into space, right? And that sort of guides us along. And that's a really cool thing to see in real life that guides us along. But these past 14 episodes so far of Star Trek, of this thing that has always been, I've got that. I've got a tattoo of that on me. And it's never been about, uh, we're, you know, we're beating each other up and we're fighting and eventually we're going to rise above it. It's been about, Hey, look what we can do. Not, not boy. I hope it shows us how maybe one day we're going to be able to do that thing that we always were told that we we're going to be able to do. Yeah. And I'm not at the same time. And I, and I feel like I have to keep saying this every time I am enjoying discovery. I am liking a lot of the characters. I am liking uh, the design is absolutely beautiful. There's a lot of stuff about it that I like. Um, it's just, a, it's just a little bit, it's a, it's a tad darker than I, than I wish it were. Yeah. Well, and, and, 
And something else I want to say as a big thumbs up about the show is the female presence in the show. You know, we don't have any problem passing the Bechdel test. (laughs) And, um, you know, like, so I teach astronomy classes to my astrobiology classes at college. And it's great showing that showing to the, to, to the women students in my class that they can be awesome without showing their chests and even in a mirror universe without having to show their bare midriffs. And they can be awesome in more than one way. I mean, I really like the different female characters that they have too. I adore Tilly. I just adore her. Yes. You know, she is that positive presence where even when it makes her uncomfortable, she's going to make herself be transparent and do the right thing. And I admire her unreservably. She's, she's like that, that, She's that thing to live up to for me. So we, uh, we, we just got a message here from Elizabeth on the chat who says the scene in the mess hall with the crew accepting Ashback was very Star Trek. And, and that's one of those things that I, when we do our regular mission log, we'll watch an episode three, four, five times. And we have a, a little bit of a luxury of time doing this. Maybe I get to watch it two, maybe three times, but I'm writing as I'm doing that. Mm-hmm. I loved rewatching that scene. The, the emotional impact only improved each time I, I watched that scene. Yeah. I got to say, I got to say really quickly on that. Um, and it's going to sound like I'm nitpicking, and I guess I kind of am a bit. I, it, it happened too fast for most of the crew, but it was an absolutely beautiful moment when she went and sat with him and he said, you don't have to do this. I'm fine. And, and without even really looking at him said, how can that possibly be true? I somebody, know. <laughs> said, somebody said in the Facebook uh, page earlier, and I didn't catch the name because everything was flying by really quickly, but somebody said that uh, Tilly is so us this week. And yeah, it's like mad applause to that because she's so transparent. You know, she will never just say the easy thing or let people say the easy thing. She's always, she's always there to say, you can't possibly be fine or this isn't okay. Yeah. Well, well, Ken, maybe if it'll make you feel better, I've got an idea for an episode. Okay. Next season. I'm thinking that Saru and Burnham go down to the surface of a desert planet and they meet Lorca and the evil Lorca. Maybe one of them has a head wound and they can fight and fight and fight for eternity <laughs> I'm in each other's necks in the mycelial network. I'm liking what you're thinking there, although I wouldn't wish that on the good Lorca for any reason. Maybe we could have a third one. Yeah. <laughs> we could have like the bad Lorca and the not quite as bad, but still kind of bad Lorca, and we could do it that way. All right. And, and one thing final to let somebody else talk, but I just want to say that when, one of the reasons I really decided I want to call in today is that today at my front door, Look what I got. Oh, actually, yeah. the missus, I got this for the missus. And give me some sugar here. My, you know, yeah. Ben Robinson, money can't buy you what I just got, you know, but it gets you close. Nice. So, oh, that's so, beautiful. If Ben Robinson's wow. listening, I want my check when I yeah. go to start Las Vegas next time. <laughs> Thank you very much. That, hey, is I, a, that is a fine looking ship you have there. That really is. is. It's, she's a beauty. I just I have one bone to pick with you guys. Next time you call in, and there will be a next time, please send us a text ahead of time to remind us to have our wine glasses. Oh, I feel <laughs> sorry. Left out. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. You're in Southern California. Come on. I that. <laughs> All right. All right. All right, guys. It's been a real pleasure. All right. Thank you both very much. It's wonderful to see you again with uh, with not quite as much orange going on. It's Thank so e- it's so much nicer. <laughs> <laughs> Take care. You too. Take care, guys. <sighs> wow. I like yeah. that. 
Yeah, absolutely. They, and they 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 cut a uh, they cut a path everywhere they went in Vegas uh, with yes. all the orange stuff. It was kind of awesome. It was. I actually bumped into them and asked them questions about Vault, not knowing that they knew Mission Log. Ran into them a couple of days later. So funny. Very cool to see them. Hey, we do have another caller coming up in just a moment. Dave is going to be here. I know what you're thinking. Dave's not here, man. Oh, yes, he is. He'll be here in just a moment. <laughs> Very funny joke for people who are kind of old. Uh, join us right now, though, after Dave by um, clicking on the Zoom meeting link from your PC or your Mac. That link, as I said before, is above and below this video. Uh, you can also call us 669-900-6833 from your phone and type in the meeting code on the screen or use the one tap from your, whoa, one tap from your smartphone and be connected that way. And remember, as I said before, and I will say again, uh, those numbers change. So uh, don't write them in permanent ink, just, you know, sort of like jot it down. Yes. Now, should we uh, should we go ahead and hear from Dave? I think we should. Time to call in and let's uh, let's see what Dave has to say. Are you there, Hello. sir? Hello. Hey, hey Dave. How, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, how are you doing? Great. Doing well. How are you? Great. Yeah, love the show. You know, I feel like Star Trek is a, a show that deals with serious themes, but doesn't take itself too seriously. And I feel like you guys are the same way. You really capture that, the, the fun and the spirit of, of what I love about Star Trek. So oh, thank that's you. funny. You should read our email. Right. <laughs> or hear me five minutes before the show when I'm talking to John. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this last, this last episode, I mean, the way, the way they wrapped it up uh, with Giorgio, you know, taking command of the ship. Um, you know, like what is Starfleet and what, what is the Federation in this telling of Star Trek and Discovery? Because, you know, we got the sense early on it was kind of um, not exactly the idealized organization of the future, you know, um, with some of Lorca's behavior. Um, but I feel like we, get, we kept getting more and more back towards that sort of um, idealized future Star Trek when Saru became, you know, captain and you know, a lot of the behavior of the crew on the ship was, was very much, you know, admirable. But then we kind of come back to what I feel is, is kind of a shady move by Starfleet to bring in Mirror Giorgio. Or is it, or is the show telling us, hey, this, this is war, um, where our backs are against the wall, the starbase has been destroyed, and war, you must do whatever it takes to, you know, to survive. So I guess my question for you is, you know, especially after this last episode with that surprise ending, are, are we, are we seeing a, re, are we seeing a return to kind of that dark vision of Starfleet or do you think there's still room for us to kind of come out on the end of this with that more optimistic version of Starfleet and the Federation? John, <laughs> I think we're seeing a little bit of both throughout the series. So yeah, we, we have this, Dark, you know, because everybody has the grittier, darker version of something these days, right? So we have the dark version of Star Trek. What happens when you test this format in the ultimate way by setting the background in a war story? And what happens is, at least the way they've been telling Discovery, we know one crew. Um, what happens to them individually when they get pushed that hard? So we started off something pretty interesting with Stamets being uh, the, the first one who was pushed, the one who so reluctantly was serving on a warship when all he wanted to do was explore the science of his creation. Um, 
And we hear it, well, actually, we heard it in the pilot when uh, Giorgio, Captain Giorgio, the good Giorgio, said, we're Starfleet, we don't fire first. We keep hearing these ideals presented. We keep hearing what these characters want. But then the show challenges them by saying, aha, but what if it gets really hard? But what if it gets really, really hard? Do you still do that? Um, Ken, you posed a question last week, I think, when, uh, and I, I don't think we ever actually got to it. Um, it was in the notes saying, when Burnham, at the end of the previous episode, had the phaser trained on Lorca and mm-hmm. said, you know, we would have just brought you back, did, did she know or did she think that Emperor Giorgio would have killed Lorca? Oh, I don't know. I'm not yeah. even. Here's the thing, though. I mean, and this sort of goes to the question that um, Barry and Beth asked a moment ago as well. Yes. OK, you can tell a war story and a war story can be really terrible. And you can ask the question of what happens when your back is against the wall. Why do we keep telling this story? Why did, why did we do this with first contact? Why are we doing this with this? I understand it's a darker time. Why do we want to keep projecting darker images on the wall? I thought the whole point of a slideshow was to show good times or happy times. I thought, and I'm not saying it just needs to be all happy, wonderful, but yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, things in war get ugly and we can go back and debate different things that have happened in different wars throughout history. And, and people do debate whether or not those things were actually good. And they're sort of accepted a lot of times as well. That's what we had to do. There will be some people who will argue that maybe we didn't have to do those things. And a lot of times those people are shouted down, but going even away from that, hey, guys, we're getting the band back together. We're going to put on Deltas, and we're going to tell a story. What should it be? Oh, I have an idea. Let's make it so dark that we don't even know who we're rooting for halfway through the series. And that's sort of my concern. I mean, yes, war is bad. There are things that you have to do in war, and you can tell that story. Why are we using Star Trek to tell that story? Because that's not the story that Star Trek, initially anyway, was set up to tell. That's That's sort of where I am on it. Dave, you tell us, how, how is this all sitting with you? Well, you know, I, I think um, I, I, I agree. It, it's it, I what is Starfleet and what is what is the Federation in this telling? Right. Um, I feel like, you know, through various iterations of Star Trek, especially maybe TNG, you got the sense that it was a fundamentally uh, good organization, a strong organization, both Starfleet and the Federation. There was a lot of integrity. They lived by their ideals. Um Maybe in DS9, we saw some, uh, some more of that Wild West mentality. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, and, I, and I wonder if by the end of this season or maybe in the, in the subsequent seasons, we kind of land on, well, you know, what, what, is, what, is, uh, what is this Starfleet of, 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 uh, of this telling that, that we're trying to get at here? At this point, I'm not really quite sure because, like I said, we, uh, part of the arc came more towards that optimistic telling of the future, especially when Saru was captain. But now we're back into kind of shady Starfleet here by 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 making a, a pretty bold move of bringing in this evil version of Giorgio to command the ship. But then again, I agree. It's war is war and you got to do what you got to do. Yeah. Well, we got one more episode to find out how that lands. <laughs> so, you know. well, I, just, I, I just wonder, too, how uh, how are they going to wrap this up for continuity? Because. You know, when you look at TOS, I, I, you, I never got the sense that the Federation or Starfleet 
was an organization that was in rebuild mode or an organization that was really, uh, you know, down on its knees, you know, um, as we're seeing here. So clearly something, something happened to create a massive renaissance or a rebound. So I guess we'll see. This does take place 10 years before TOS though. So not saying 10 years is enough to rebuild everything, but it does take place, you know, before the time that we actually know, with the exception of that one episode with Pike. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I did read an interesting article not long ago, though, that, that, that posited something along the lines of saying, like, you look at the Battle of Binary Stars, we saw so many different ships just completely get obliterated. Fast forward 10 years to TOS, and what we see is Constitution-class starships, and only a handful of those at that. Mm-hmm. So you, you can sort of make the mental leap and say, yeah, there was a much more diverse armada at the time of this story, then a lot of that is gone. And that kind of answers why in TOS, you know, of course the production reason is that TOS was a TV show made in the sixties on a much tighter budget, but it kind (laughs) of answers why we see a limited scope within that show. I'll I'll buy it. I I forgot who wrote that, but it was something I, I saw not long ago. Sure, and it, and it could explain too the the kind of uh, wild west mentality and Kirk as a space cowboy, because if this is ten years after a a, a bitter bloody war like we're seeing, um, kind of like how in in American history after the American Civil War there was the wild west period where uh, you know things were somewhat lawless and unsettled, uh, maybe you know that could explain. Um, TOS being 10 years after this would, would explain a bit of that frontier spirit that they might have. Yeah. Yeah. Look, hey, yeah. Some people call him a space cowboy. Some people call him the pompous of love. I, I don't know right. where you fall on that either, but uh, yeah. <sighs> you stole my line. You yeah. stole my line. You oh, snap. <laughs> Quite all right. Hey, Rob, um, I don't know if you remember this, but we mentioned it, um, I guess last week or maybe the week before we are continuing my, uh, whoops, we're continuing mission log live. Uh, past discovery, and and we would really appreciate it. I, I speak for John uh, because sometimes I'm like that. Uh, we'd really appreciate it if you gave us a call back again um, after the series. Maybe, I mean, we'll probably spend an episode or two, I'm guessing, actually dissecting where that was, but we're going to hit a bunch of other topics, and we'd love to have you join us again if you would. Yeah, very good. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys. Did I call you Rob? I didn't mean to call you Rob. Rob is up next. I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> thank you, Dave. We'll see you soon. Uh, thank you, Dave. Hey, thanks yeah. a lot. So Rob is actually, I say Rob is up next, but we have business that we need to do first, Mr. Champion. Yes, we do. We got a little bit of business. And and thank you foreshadowed by our friends, Barry and Beth. That was very good. Kind of want to get them back on because, man, are they showing (laughs) off that ship, huh? All right. The checks in the mail, guys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> of course, we're talking about Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek Discovery Starships collection. Um, yeah, you know, we got one more episode of Discovery and then uh, we're done seeing them on the screen. But that's OK, because if you check out the official Star Trek Discovery Starships collection, you can just look next to your computer. You can look uh, you know, on your coffee table, wherever you would be inclined to display uh, some of the beautiful starships coming from uh, from Discovery. Yeah, so uh, on the Federation side, you have starships like the Shenzhou and the Discovery, uh, the Corella, the Jaeger, the Europa. Uh, then flying in from Klingon space, you've got ships like the reimagined Klingon Bird of Prey. And here we go, the Kaw class destroyer. 
long may it wave. Now, what you'll see when you go to eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships are renderings that serve as the basis for the diecast models themselves, uh, painstakingly reproduced, as mentioned by Barry, uh, by Mr. Ben Robinson. He's a Star Trek expert, you know. Um, officially authorized by CBS Studios, they're roughly 8 to 10 inches from bow to stern. They're hand-painted. They're rich in detail. Uh, each comes with the awesome magazine full of real-world and in-universe information. And though not displayed by Beth and Barry, uh, they also come with a really cool stand. See, they were flying them around, though, which, you know, yeah, I'm not above doing that. No, I know. It's, yeah, it might happen. Uh, subscribers will get their first ship, the USS Shenzhou NCC-1227. By the way, Elizabeth in the chat said that she got hers today. Awesome. You'll get that for just $9.95 with free shipping. Additional models, including the iconic USS Discovery NCC-1031, will then ship monthly for the special subscriber price of only $44.95 each. That is 20% off the standard retail price, also with free shipping. Now, if you want to pick and choose which ships you want, you can do that. You'll go to a different website for that. You'll go to shop.eaglemoss.com, or you can check your local comic book shop. Uh, you're going to pay about 10 bucks more there, but saving money wouldn't be the only reason to be a subscriber. Uh, subscribers also get free gifts worth over $100 during their subscription. And, of course, you can cancel your subscription at any time. So if you want to subscribe, go to eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships. To buy individually, you'll go to shop.eaglemoss.com. And a huge thanks to Eagle Moss for sponsoring this week's show. And uh, guys, be like Barry and Beth. What more do I have to say? Because <laughs> why wouldn't you want to be? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I know I said earlier that we had Rob on the line. Uh, we did not, but now we do. Nice. Rob? Now, now I'm here. There he is. is. How's it going this evening? Very good. How about you guys? Great. Doing all right. Yeah. What's going What's on your mind tonight? So um, I was watching what I consider Journeys and Mulligan to get ready for the Thursday podcast. <laughs> also known as Insurrection. Insurrection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That, yeah. that, that might have come up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm glad to know that that could be Rob. But um, so I'm watching and I'm realizing like you have these moments where you have Patrick Stewart is just allowed to in, just take over the scene and just absolutely chew it up, chew it up. And, you know, that's why I love TNG. That's why I love Deep Space Nine, because you have these actors through Cisco and, and Picard who are just, you know, take, just, just drive, drive everything that's going. And you had that to a degree with Lorca because he was this strange, mysterious guy. But anytime he was on camera, you really just, uh, maybe it was just me, but you know, got really pulled in by him more than other characters. I mean, every I, I can't say anyone's bad in the show, but there are just certain characters every so often. It's just like, wow, it's like I just want to stop what I'm doing and just watch you act. Hmm. And with the removal of Lorca, unless we get good Lorca to show, we're going to be in a show where there's. I mean, who knows what they're, I'm just kind of wondering what you think they're going to do with season two, because now we're at a place where there are no, there is no power character. Um, I mean, you've got characters like Burnham, obviously she's the star, but she, you know, goes through, she's gone through all these episodes. So constantly conflicted with how she feels about things. And, you know, she starts beating herself. She starts to show by beating herself up and then she 
kind of comes to terms with what's happened and she's just going through this journey, but there's no real character that's, that, you know, kind of just sits there as kind of a rock and, you know, again, just has that intensity to really capture, capture your attention. And I'm wondering if you think they're going to do something like that in season two, or if maybe they're going to try to get to help Burnham step up to be more of that character. Um, Saru is doing better, but again, I would love to see a character, I think in season two, that just grabs you. And what do you guys think? Well, I got to say, I mean, it wouldn't bother me if it ended up being Saru. He's been more of that kind of character so far, I think, than a lot of us expected him to be. But we asked the question last week, uh, who should be Captain Saru or Burnham? Uh, They're a fairly big organization, and they're down a bunch of ships at this point. We could have a new captain. We could have a new captain that we've never seen before, and maybe... I mean, he could be as good as gold, but everybody's still going to be a little bit freaked out because did you hear there's a mirror? Oh, no, you didn't hear there's a mirror universe because you're not allowed to. But let me tell you, we've been through some stuff. And so, I mean, they may have a hard time dealing with a captain who is seriously on the up and up the whole time, not to the point of mutiny, but it may take a while for them to understand that when this guy makes the rousing speech, he means it. I mean, uh, back to Dave's question a moment ago, maybe, and, and what Barry and Beth said earlier, maybe season two is when we actually get the Starfleet that we expect in a Star Trek show. We get a federation that we expect in a Star Trek show. And maybe we have, we have you know, uh, Pike 2.0 or something, or somebody who, like, who, who graduated you know, in the class after Pikes, maybe, and he gets to be our captain. As far as who's on screen right now, I'm not sure who that would be. Yeah, I, mean, I do agree. Saru had a, I mean, that that speech from Saru was really good. I mean, that was a very, that was like a step up in my mind for that character because he's yeah. been timid and all those things. And but now he's just like he, the character realized, oh, 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 crap! I'm the I'm the captain now. Right. I stepped There's up. Actually, up. He really stepped up. I would say that he's the character, honestly, that's seen the most growth this season as well. I mean, he was completely distrusting of Burnham, of course, when she got back on the on the on the uh, on the uh, the Discovery. Excuse me, when she came to the Discovery, is completely distrusting, and and it it really meant a lot to me last week when she contacted him when she was in that gigantic Jeffrey's tomb or wherever she was, <laughs> and and he said, I, I believe the words were, "It's good to see you, my friend." we've seen a bit of an arc with him, even if we haven't really seen it with Burnham. Honestly, I don't feel like we have. Um, He's been, he would be a character that I would actually be fine following. And it would be weird because you would then, you still have the uh, the questions of trust, right? Like, I'm sorry, are we flying away because tactically that's the best thing to do or because your fear ganglia is acting up? I mean, there are still questions there that we would have, but um, he struck me as a, uh, he struck me as a, as a decent character. might actually be my favorite character in the whole series so far. Uh, John, I'm curious, though, who do you see? I mean, what? Well, it's funny. You, yeah, you, you took the words right out of my mouth. I was going to say that uh, Saru, I feel, has had the strongest character arc of anybody on the screen, just completely different. And, and giving that rousing speech episode before last, that was truly a shining moment for that character and for Doug Jones, the actor. This was yeah. Terrific, uh, uh, captain-y stuff out of him. And forgive me, really quickly, don't forget what happened to him on that planet where for the first time in his entire life, he found peace. Yeah. He's yeah. not perfect. He's right. not Picard. He's not, well, Picard and Kirk were never perfect, but I mean, he's not perfect. We've actually seen him lose it. Yeah. But we've also seen him come back from it. 
that happened a tiny bit quickly for me, but I mean, it was still neat to, we've seen more than just the, it's not even just the, I'm afraid now I'm captainy. I mean, the, we, we've seen more dimensions from him. Yeah. And, and I feel like Michael Burnham is a good complex character, but that's maybe not who I want to see move into that role. Now, mm-hmm. The door's wide open. You could see any number of other characters be written to take over as a captain. And who knows? Maybe some of this crew gets split up on different ships. We have no idea what to expect for a season two. I do want to comment on what some of our watchers are saying right now. Um, David Takeshi says, uh, we can't ever see good Lorca. I think it would kind of ruin the mystique. I. Sure. I sort of agree with you there, but I, look, Jason Isaacs is just so magnetic on screen. He is so I good. Want back. Yeah, I, that. Oh, it, it's hard to think that he will be gone forever <laughs> from Star Trek Discovery. Joy Lucas says Cornwell is somewhat a power character, and I, mm. I agree. I don't think I've seen enough of Cornwell, but I really like what we got out of her in this episode. Um, nine months later, she has been through a lot, and got to to take control again that was cool to see and um, i hope that we get more of her in season two as well it occurs to me really quickly i mean we know actually that lork is coming back right because of the big weighty way that cornwell said so my gabriel is dead <laughs> that, that just immediately indicates right okay so well until season two he is anyway Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I have no idea. But all of a sudden, I was like, oh, okay, we're, we're really hammering home that no good Lorca is definitely nowhere. <laughs> Again, I don't, I don't need him as captain. I don't need him as that. I mean, I just want – I would love to see him because, again, yeah. he just – he steals the scenes. Like you're saying with Saru, when his, once his ganglia were acting up. I mean, even when he wasn't the character in the foreground and he was just hanging out in the back, there was just like he was, he was still pulling attention. Like you don't have to necessarily be the captain to be the character in a specific scene that you're just like, oh, you're just looking at him. Yeah. So. Yeah. Agreed, man. All well, right. Thank you. Yeah, I'm glad I could come up with a less depressing question than last time. <laughs> <laughs> don't let that ever stop you, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Call back because because uh, your questions are always fun and we love to hear from you. All right. Thanks. All right. Take care. Right, should we remind like, people how to get in touch with us, or should we just roll on to another call, Johnny? We, we have very little time, but we have a couple of callers at least waiting in the wings. So let, let's go ahead and hear from Kim, shall we? How's it going, Kim? Oh, great. Glad to be back on again this week. Excellent. Yeah. Welcome back. Yeah, thank you. Um, so a, a little less serious um, than some of the other discussions, which were great, by the way. Um uh, did you notice this entire episode that just about everybody except Saru had their uniforms unzipped or the jackets completely open? No, no, really? <laughs> Not at all. No. I wonder if Saru didn't because then we would see the uh, the makeup application. <laughs> oh well, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. No, I didn't notice that. I'll have to. Well. Someday I'll have to go back and watch it. I mean, I've got to watch next week's show a couple of times. Plus, we're watching movies right now, too. So, <laughs> Oh, yes, and I'm following those, too. Um, yeah, so just about everybody, including Cornwell. I mean, everybody except a couple scenes where they actually have them buttoned up. Everybody's got them partially unzipped or completely open. 
it's, huh. it's interesting. And I am wondering if it's just a, a wartime fatigue thing or, you know, it, it stood it out to me. <laughs> so um, something just to point out. Kind of a funny idea because, yeah, you would think they would want to be ship shape, but then when 80% of their ships have been destroyed, maybe uh, ship shape isn't what it used to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm thinking about Kirk when they switched over to the Monster Maroons uh, from Wrath of Khan. And pretty much after that, he had that thing buttoned up for about six seconds. And then after that, you just always see it open. Yeah. yeah. Slightly yeah. less formal Kirk. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. 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 Anything else on your mind tonight, Kim? Um, yeah, just one more thing. Uh, the Andorians. Have you noticed that they really all look alike? Do you think that there's like only one or two maybe, uh, you know, costumes? <laughs> you, know what's, you know what's really interesting that I noticed, actually? So remember when the, what, what was it the White Wolf, the Fire Wolf? What was Valk in the Mirror Universe? Oh, yeah, the Fire Wolf. It was the Fire, fire Wolf, wolf right? Yeah, yeah. So he was, he was wandering around with, with like two Tellarites and then Dorian, uh, a Vulcan. And they all walk into a bar. Well, no. <laughs> Who showed up on the bridge? Who showed up on the bridge of Discovery? Yeah, Wait, this and Dorian. It was the same people, right? No, there was a Tellarite. There was there was Sarek. Oh yeah, there, right. There was Cornwall. I mean, yeah. they're they're. I mean, for a mirror universe, it's pretty mirror close. So, I mean, it's quite possible that you're actually looking at the same Andorian just from this universe, not that one, because they're. I mean, they actually they were. I mean, they were inkblots. I mean, they were the leaders of the resistance in one universe. And, and when we come back nine months later, they're the leaders of what's turning into a resistance here because the Klingons are, you know, handing us our backsides on a platter. It's funny. After that episode, my friend Brian Hart, who I, if he's not watching tonight, he usually listens. He sent me this quote from Futurama. So there's an infinite number of parallel universes. Nah, just two. <laughs> 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 Reminds me of the Eddie Izzard thing when he's talking about the Big Bang and then and then the universe explodes and it comes back together and it explodes again. How many times has this happened? Seven? Yeah. <laughs> 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 kind of a fun idea. Hey, Kim, we have like two more callers that we want to get to, but thank you so much yeah. for calling in tonight and, uh, and do give us yeah. a call back sometime. All right. Great. Thank you, guys. Right. Take care. And I'm going to even like... I'm going to like move us over to the side really quickly before we get to the next caller. Actually, I want to remind people that after our show, uh, the good people at Priority One, another Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Oh, that's not what they call it. The good people at Priority One are going live here in just a little bit, probably about 10 or 15 minutes after our show ends. Uh, Elijah, Kenna, Tony, and I think Winters. I'm not sure if Winters is back this week or not, but, but there is a gang and they are there and they are talking about all kinds of Star Trek stuff. Yes, they will also be talking about Discovery, but they also hit literary reviews and any other news that's happening. Uh, so right after this, go to facebook.com slash priority one podcast. That is facebook.com slash priority one podcast. Or if you're one of those people who downloads our show later, hey, you can download their show later too. Uh, that is, of course, I don't know if I mentioned it, priority one. And uh, we would love it if you check it out uh, just any way you choose to check out shows. Cool. So let's go to our next caller. Who do we have? Looks like Matt. I'm not wearing my glasses, but it looks like Matt. Matt, what's on your mind tonight? Uh, first, first thought I had was, 
so an admiral comes in and takes charge. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Other than everything. Yeah. She has um, been a pretty good admiral throughout, though, I will say. Yeah. And, and that's not something you can say about a lot of Star Trek admirals. Um, and then my other thought is, we thought those the first two episodes, the two-part premiere, was the origin story. I'm beginning to think this season is the origin story. Yes. I, I, I agree with you there. Um, the, the pilot, the, the two-parter pilot was the prologue. This is the first chapter. That first chapter is, here are all the people that you need to know. And now we're going to do something different, which is a weird way to tell a story. And it's particularly a weird way to tell Star Trek. Um, but yeah, I, I expect that season two will be very different. Don't know how, but I expect it'll be very different. All right, well, thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank hey, you very much, Matt. Chris uh, in the online chat here says, want to mention the shout out to Archer. I do because I thought it was really funny that they, they planted the shout out early and they said, no human has been to Kronos in 100 years. Then, 40 minutes later, no human has been to Kronos in 100 years. Remember that time that Archer in the Enterprise NX-01, Blu-rays on sale at Amazon.com. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> or you actually can go back and watch it all at CBS All Access. They might yeah. actually mention that. Right. <laughs> Just throw know. that in there too. Yeah. Along it. with all those other things. Hey, we had a uh, we had a uh, we had one more call, right? A video caller, I think, a pre-recorded call. We do. Yeah, we have a call. Uh video is left for us by Matthew, I believe. We we'll go ahead and roll that. Sorry, it's from Michael. Hey, John and Ken, this is Michael Morrison from Pasadena, Maryland. Just had two things I want to talk about. One, just wanted to say how giddy I am at the prospect of what they've set up in the next episode for the relationship between Michael Burnham and uh, Captain Philippa. It seems fairly obvious that they've set up a scenario where once again she's going to be forced to, uh, in her opinion at least, mutiny against her captain to do the right thing. Um, and not only is most of the crew going to be in the dark, about what's uh, about the fact that the captain isn't the captain and that it's in fact the empress, but um, a significant portion of them are actually from the Shenzhou and lived through her first mutiny. So I just can't wait to see how that plays out. It's gonna be so cool. But other than that, the other thing I want to talk about is I think the show has kind of not sure, but I feel like at this point I'm leaning towards they've made me support the idea of genocide being the moral thing to do in this situation, which is not something I would normally say, um, because. You, you've got a situation where you've got the Federation, who is generally moral and, and has some principles worth fighting for, at least in my opinion, as a biased human. And you have the Klingon Empire, who is very expansionistic and violent and has no qualms about killing people in gruesome ways all over the galaxy and expanding their empire nonstop, it seems like, at this point. And it seems like it will just never stop. So the question is, is it the moral thing to do, uh, you know, Obviously, the, thing, the, the trope is, oh, well, if you do the thing, if you, if you commit the crime that you're trying to stop while in the course of stopping it, um, do you just become that thing? And I don't think so. I don't think the Federation becomes the Klingon Empire if they, if they wiped out every single Klingon in existence. Um, I think they're still, they're still the Federation. Yes, you have some morally compromised people. You have maybe a generation of people that just have to come to terms with what they've done, kind of similar to the uh, the atom bomb, but 
it does accomplish the goal that they're looking for. And in the end, the Federation is probably better for most species in the galaxy than Klingons. Uh, now, that's obviously not something you can think forward on. You, you know, that would not be a good excuse to expand into Klingon territory if they were not expanding into yours and threatening your survival. But when you're weighing those two options, our immediate death or their immediate death, I think the Federation wins. So just kind of curious what you guys think. And uh, just want to say thanks for all you do. Take care. Well, thank you very much, Michael. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say thank you now because it's not going to sound like I'm saying thank you when we're done. And I apologize. Um, This may actually go back to the question I was asking earlier about why are we telling these stories? If we've come to a place now where a Star Trek fan is saying, you know, maybe just this once genocide isn't so bad we really have to ask what we're doing with this franchise. I think, I mean, that's my personal feeling. We really have to ask ourselves what kind of story we're telling and are we telling the kind of story that we want to tell? And is Star Trek telling the kind of story that we want to tell? John and I regularly get emails, still regularly get emails from people who think that Picard should have put the uh, virus in Hugh and sent him back to the board and let them all be killed. That is obviously not the point that that episode of Star Trek was trying to make. And that wasn't the idea that John and I arrived at either. And if we're 14 episodes into the season and we have people going, well, I guess genocide. I'm not sure we're watching Star Trek. John? Yeah. Well, look, I took one note and and that was my note, which is I think about Picard not killing all the Borg here and how it was shocking then and still shocking to me that we get emails, people saying, yeah, but see, he could have and they were a threat. Some of our listeners are chiming in here as that was playing. And um, uh, John Morales says, you don't become the Klingon Empire, but you are forever compromised. Penny Wilhelm, I'm sorry uh, for messing up the name there, Penny Wilhelm, who chimes in a lot, and thank you, Penny, says, if your principles aren't worth dying for, they're not principles, they're preferences. Could not have said it better myself, therefore I took your words. Thank you very much, Penny. Um, I I think that about sums it up, And, and I think what's good about getting a comment like that then is that our other commenters will be able to chime in on that. Uh, yeah, and I, I I love the fact that this is an ongoing thing. But I I really thought that when we did that discussion about Picard, that that pretty much summed it up. That that was the Star Trek position through Picard, saying we don't compromise our principles, even if it seems like the convenient thing to do. Right. And of course, I mean, and the thing is, I mentioned it earlier, we do compromise our principles. I mean, we do. Mm -hmm. But are those the stories that we want to tell? I mean, is that really what's going to, is that what's going to save humanity? And it may be crazy to think that um, a television show could even have a part in saving humanity, but we all watch television or we all watch, you know, we all watch uh, things that are made uh, to be consumed in that way, be it Game of Thrones, Battlestar Galactica, you know, Star Trek, you name it, uh, the Orville, um, and just a number of things. And I get why you might be tempted, but if we come to a place of deciding, well, that's going to be fine just this one time, well, then it's going to be fine next time too. 
Agreed. I think there's probably not much more than that to say, other than Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live by Infinity Networks, producer Brandon Bradley. Be sure to visit podcast.roddenberry.com for the latest from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, including not just Mission Log, but Women at Warp and Priority One and the Trek Files and more to come. We would again like to thank Eagle Moss and the official Star Trek Starship Collection for sponsoring this show, eaglemoss.com slash discovery starships. Podcast.roddenberry.com. The Roddenberry Podcast Network.